0: Welcome, everyone. This is Russ Scalzo, Chronicles of the End Times. So glad to be with you today. Today, we have a special podcast. I will be interviewing my good friend and author, D.I. Hennessy and his book, Within and Without Time, that has just been
1: turned into a graphic audiobook. Very exciting project. So good to have you here, Danny. Well, thank you. Thanks very much for having me here, um, Russ. I've really appreciated uh, all of the work that you've done in helping me out with the audiobook, which I know we're going to talk about um, today as well. Um, and uh, for a number of years, actually, you've, you've been a good friend of mine um, going back to, I guess, 40 years ago, right?
0: Yeah, time flies, that's for sure. But old friends are the best friends, and it's even sweeter when the Lord allows us to come Full circle, back around and work together. It takes me back to the days of the Jesus movement, right? And uh, you think of, uh, you know, the movie that just came out, Jesus Revolution. You know, being that we're kind of older dudes, uh, we go back to that time and had some amazing experiences where we came to Christ and saw so many things during that movement. I feel you drew from many of those experiences in your book.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And as I was writing the book, I didn't obviously intend to be picking up on some of those past experiences, but they came out at parts of the book, uh, particularly as the book really begins to move toward the revival, the latter reign, you know, in preparation for christ's return the Bible talks about this latter reign of the move of the spirit on all flesh which means it will be global across uh, the entire planet and a lot of that you know came from those early days back in the 70s I was saved in 1971 as just a small child of course uh yeah. but um you know and going through all of that being you know baptized in the Shark River with 50 kids who were all you know not far off in age from us and uh it really was very much like, you know, that Jesus Revolution movie. Um, and it was interesting in in the way that the book came out and talking about some of that uh, revival stuff. Some of the reviews I've seen on the book have actually commented on you know the revival at Asbury University recently. Oh, yeah. um, how that's been in the news. And, uh, you know, we're hearing other folks talking about how this movement among kids is really beginning uh, nationwide and maybe globally as well. Where it's the young people, and that's what it was back in the seventies. You know, we were all teenagers or you know early twenties, um, and God was just doing amazing things with that age group. And I I think that's happening again today. So maybe this is good timing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, that, uh, absolutely. You know it's,
0: so I remember those days, and I remember the days of the tent. You know, this giant tent we put up, you know what I mean? And uh, singing in there with the band and uh, reaching people that way right outside. It was a different era, a different time, you know, coming out of the whole hippie movement and the Woodstock era and all that kind of stuff, you know. And God wasn't surprised by that. You know, Mm -hmm. he he used it. And we were seeking the truth. You know, and even though we we you know we kind of did some stupid things along the way, we really were looking. The Lord took advantage of that and and introduced so
1: many of us uh, to His great love. Yeah, from so many different backgrounds as well. I mean, talk about a diverse uh, congregation. It was kids from everywhere, all up and down the really Jersey coast. Um, so it was a remarkable time. I remember cramming into the little church, you know, little Glad Tidings Church. Which probably only fit hundred people, um, and they were—you know—the kids were just jammed in. Where we had seats at the end of every pew, we had kids sitting on the platform. Yeah. Um, you know, the preacher had to be careful not to step on anyone when he was trying to preach, and that's why we ended up moving out to the tent. It was just a remarkable move of God. There's so many parallels to the movie. You mm-hmm. know, um, watching it, you feel like you were there
0: because we were. You know, mm-hmm. the, of course, the movie was took place in California, but uh, the movement was all over, mm-hmm. and uh, giving their hearts to Christ in the streets and in parks and on the beach, and you know, it just didn't wasn't confined to the building, mm-hmm. which I think was really defines a true move of God right. when it's it's just out there, broken loose, you know, mm-hmm. uh, out on the streets. Very very cool. Yeah. It's a great story. I love the story of Jimmy. I love the fact that he's a young man who goes through so much. I love the way you make the changes in his life and the things that he goes through are, to me, like real life, you know, where the rubber meets the road. You know, uh, our lives aren't, you know, skipping down the highway. You know, everything's great and flowers in the air and all that stuff. You know, it's it's real life, real life things. It's really a great work. And at this time, I like to... Thank all of you who are listening to Chronicles of the End Times today from all over the world, from Africa and Australia and Germany and Britain and so, so many places, and of course, all of you across the United States. And thank you for tuning in today as we're talking to D.I. Hennessy about this new adventure, this audiobook, this graphic audiobook, a real treat. You will be so blessed by it. So I encourage you to go on Amazon and download it. You will love it. Now, Danny, this is like a new thing for you, right? You've never done audiobooks before. And I'm kind of wondering, how did you like it?
1: It was actually a lot different than, than I expected. I obviously didn't come out of a radio announcer background. Um, when I first started, as you'll recall, uh, you know, reading the book and kicking off the initial recording session, I think we redid Chapter 1 three times, actually, um, yeah, one of the big lessons for me was learning how to um, speak like an announcer to some degree. That you know, the difference between an audio book and just reading to your kids, um, it, you know, has a lot to do with inflection and you know the old thing that they used to teach us in in Bible college, you know, homiletics class. Smile when you talk, and there it comes go. out in your voice. That sort of thing. So, and the nervousness and everything. Uh, it had been a long time since I'd been in front of a microphone for anything. So that was a huge um, experience change for me. Um, But by the time we got to chapter 41, (laughs) I figured, you know, I think I had learned it. Um, But the whole experience, you know, the other thing was the amount of sort of emotional effort that went into it. Something I didn't really fully expect when we started reading was the degree to which it would kind of pull me into the story, even though I was so familiar with it. Kind of remembering writing it, remembering some of the emotional factors that went into writing the book, uh, came out. I think in the in the reading of it as well. So uh, I think that added a lot to the audiobook. book. Um, it also made it a little bit of a heart wrenching experience at times, you know, to <laughs> to, um, to produce it. But uh, I'm really happy with the way it came out.
0: It came out really great. You did a great job, and it is difficult. Because you're not used to the pace, you know. Sometimes we, when we're reading, we read too fast or we don't really enunciate our words properly. And when you're doing an audio book, that's really one of the main things you have to be concerned about. And it's definitely not like, you know, reading your book to someone. You're absolutely right. And uh, you take your time and listen to other audio books because that really helps that helped you right Dan?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, just going on Amazon listen to sample uh, chapters is, you know, really helpful. It's not a big investment other than time. What helped me a lot too is listening to the recorded tracks after we had done them. You know, I probably heard the book 8 times over the course of this whole process. You know, it really teaches you things that you want to change and pick up on. One of the things I thought was really cool in the whole experience was what we were able to do with some of the character voices. You know, when we first recorded it... I was trying to sound like an angel and trying to sound like, you know, uh, some of the female characters in the book and all these different things. You, you were able to really modify the tracks a little bit, add dynamics, and I thought it came out exceptionally cool um with some of those amazing voices that you came up with. Yeah,
0: the whole idea of doing different characters and stuff, you know, some people get into a full production and they bring in other actors in and all that stuff. And I think that's that's good in some applications. But I think for the most part, I mean, I know I enjoy a good narration, you know, with, with some extra stuff in there that's not over the top. And, uh, yeah, finding out how we're going to do the demons. There's demons in this book, folks, just in case you do not know. And uh, the angels and different stuff. So we were able to come up with some filters and some special effects and kind of monkey around with that until we got something that we liked. And um, if you ever try this, you know... Uh, you can use a little pitch control, a little uh, hint there. You know, as the author especially, you're like, you know, I want the character to at least sound a little bit like this, you know, so we keep monkeying with it until we get where we, where we want it to be. If you go to listen to the book, folks, and I hope you do, you won't even recognize that it's, you know, Danny doing these things. The angels in the book are very cool. Maybe you can talk a little bit about those characters.
1: Yeah, so the uh, the initial... Inspiration for the book actually years ago came from an experience I had driving home from New York City uh, many, many years ago along the New Jersey Turnpike. And driving past Newark Airport, I happened to see this line of planes lined up, um, all backed up way into the sky. You know, miles away, you could see the lights of the planes kind of waiting to land. And uh, as they approached, you know, I was driving along at a certain speed, and it seemed like the plane was just hanging in midair, like not even moving and coming in very slowly. Um, and for some reason, that triggered a thought in my mind of the whole supernatural world and the way that um, there's all this stuff really happening around us supernaturally that we're not normally aware of and don't consider Uh but that it's very real. Um, And that was sort of the initial spark. And, you know, the chapter one of the book is actually that scene. It's, you know, angels standing on this radar tower and Jimmy having this vision where um, he's introduced to these angels as they're, Uh, getting ready to fight this enormous battle with uh, all these demons and things. Probably um, a pretty scary chapter initially, you know, I know when my grandkids first heard it, they were kind (laughs) of scared. That really was the inspiration for the angels in the book. Um, Idea behind uh, the angels perspective, I guess, was all about the fallen humanity and how the angels were sort of broken over it now. And that, uh, you know, it's all of the heavens are, you know, crying over the calamity that is earth, that kind of thing. And uh, it really feeds into the whole story, which is all about redemption and about pain. God is more interested in making us than he is in pleasing us. So, you know, really the Christian life is all about being created, right? Where God created the earth in six days, but he didn't stop creating things after that. He's creating things today The thing he's creating is us, um, and he's making us into something that's fitting for eternity. Um, And so, this whole life is really all about that. That's what really the inspiration for the book was about.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really revealing, you know. And and, uh, I think lots of times we think about uh, those of us who are, you know, professing Christians, and if we've been had that born again experience, and like the Bible says, became a new creation in Christ, Um, that is really the beginning. That's our birth, you know, our second birth, as Jesus called it. And there's a lot to learn after you are born, (laughs) you know, so, uh, and it's right. It's a transition period in which, you know, God shows us who he is and how powerful he is and how loving and kind he is, but It takes years and years, you know, and I think if we lived to be as old as Adam, you know, we'd still be learning, you know, and growing, you know, in that way. Yeah, so we're going to uh, play just a tiny piece of that scene that Danny just described uh, for you right now. So let's take a
1: listen. Darkness surrounded me suddenly. Freezing me with fear, I struggled to make sense of the unfamiliar scene as a cold blast of wind stole my breath away. The place was strange and unfamiliar, feeling ominous and unsettling. A shrill thundering drew my attention. I turned quickly to see an enormous jet approaching so close that it looked as if I could reach up and touch it as 50,000 pounds of thrust blasted past me just overhead. Its roar was deafening. That's when I noticed him, an indomitable figure, larger than any man. He was an otherworldly looking stranger. He stood watching the huge planes as they moved like enormous behemoths, growing as they approached from pinpricks of light into brazen beams that flooded the sky. The huge jets pressed the air beneath them as they hung above us in their solemn descent. A colorless night surrounded us. Its darkness was thick as coal dust, masking the wider scene's blush. Gazing downward, I saw a wide highway below us, filled with an endless flood of heavy traffic. It seemed to flow like a stream of light in an odd and chaotic concert. The river of light passed swiftly beneath us and then moved away like a swarm of embers, hot red, in a disordered mix of scattered red and amber flashes. It glowed within rust-colored borders, and huge signs, like eerie-looking green tetragons, flashed their messages as they were illuminated by the brilliant onslaught. I looked again at the stranger watching him anxiously. From his enormous broad shoulders, a thick cape undulated in the stiff wind. His resolute face revealed an inexpressible mix of emotion. His hair and bristling beard were stately white, and his bronze-colored skin radiated light. His eyes seemed to pierce into the darkness before him. They held a look of deep knowledge, more than understanding. They reflected the experience of long history, His bearing seemed to emanate kindness, righteousness even. But his brow was somber, lined with hard-earned wisdom and discernment. Turning, he spoke to an unnoticed companion who had suddenly materialized, no less dramatic in appearance.
2: The words that he spoke sounded thunderous. I weary of this incessant battle, he bemoaned. His stalwart companion approached and grasped his shoulder. You are strong of heart, Ardent, he consoled. A lesser one would have fallen long ages ago in so fierce a conflict. Speak not such invention, the one called Ardent protested. Were it not for the strength of the Almighty, this ombudsman would have verily fallen at the first contest. Aye, his strength, he repeated gratefully. Then his strength shall continue to sustain us and make us prevail, the unflinching companion asserted. I must surely take hold of thy words, ardent avowed. They are eternal truth. I wish only for the casualties to be less severe, less lamentable.
0: Every time I hear that, it's just like, it just takes me back. It's just so well done, I think. That all that kind of like came about when you were on your way through the city or coming back from the city and uh, so tell us a little bit more about what we just heard,
1: so yeah, it's this vision of the future, so time is really um obviously from the name of the book, within and without time um sort of a critical factor in the in the whole plot of the book is that Jimmy is experiencing in effect time travel, but it's you know on a spiritual realm um uh, but he's experiencing things that are going to happen in the future in some parts of uh, later books. Actually, it's a, a four-book um, series now. He actually goes back in time. He goes forward in time on a spiritual plane. Time is a created thing. So uh, just like we were talking about God creating the heavens and the earth and creating us, time is another thing that God created. God doesn't live within his creation. He lives outside of it. So God is outside of time. And the book plays a little bit on some of that aspect of the spiritual realm Eternity we think of eternity as being never ending but another way of looking at eternity is that it just is outside of time. And time doesn't have any real meaning in eternity. Um and so angels, you know, are able to move back and forth between time frames or dis- you know enormous distances and things like that because they're in a, a plane that's separate from the physical created plane. And so that's a lot of what's going on in the book. The interesting thing, you know, as you think about it, um and this comes out a little bit later on in the middle of the book when Jimmy's having this um, experience where he experiences Golgotha and he sees, you know, Christ's crucifixion and how it transforms, you know, the whole spiritual realm that he's looking at and, and all of that. You know, there's an understanding that God not only created time and lives outside of, but he also loved us so much that he engaged with us, at, you know, at a physical level as a man in inside of time but then retains that identity um, as a man for all eternity. So the resurrected you know, Christ, he's still in a man's body, in effect, um, a resurrected body. Uh, and for all eternity, there will be a man on the throne of heaven. Um, and you know, in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel even speaks about that in his vision. He's, he saw a man you know, seated on the throne of heaven. Um, and that's just a remarkable thing, that God, this you know, amazing, uh, infinite being, loved us so much that he wanted to relate to us on our own level, and he took on that form for eternity. When you really meditate
0: on it, it's mind-blowing. You know, sometimes we read these things, we just brush over them, and especially those of us, maybe you've been brought up in church or we've been going to church for a while. The cross and, you know, it's not that we don't appreciate it, but it's kind of like you get a little numb and we don't really look into the moment. What he did in the actual moment and the time that Jesus spent uh, reaching out to us. And the goal of God was to have fellowship with us. We got thrown out of the garden, so that was pretty rough. But, you know, he's trying to get us back in. I love the way you wrapped everything together. And there's a couple of characters in there that I really love. I love the old guy. You know, know, he's he's just an amazing character. Uh, Talk about a
1: little bit about him. Yeah, Mr. Van Cleef. You know, it's interesting when you sit down to, st- to write a book, and I know you've experienced this too, you, you really have no idea where it's going to go. Characters sort of come out of nowhere, and then they have their own personalities. They make their own decisions. They take the book's plot in totally unexpected directions. That's exactly what, what happened with this character. It was, you know, the idea was Jimmy uh, has this vision where he sees the future, and they're going to be in this big tent. He gets an understanding that the tent is located in a certain field, and then he comes back the next day and asks around. You know, who owns this field? And then I had to create a character for somebody who owns the field. Right. Um, The name Van Cleef came out of nowhere. You know, figured, (laughs) um, and uh, you know that's really where he came from. But then, and then there was a whole dimension to his life that sort of evolved throughout. That process. So initially, it was just an old guy with a shotgun, you know, saying, "What are you doing on my property?" Right. And it evolved into this um, very multidimensional character who had all sorts of pain in his life that made him into a certain kind of a bitter person. And then how God transforms him, you know, by the end of the book.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great story of God's pursuit of us. You know, He just constantly pursuing us, and. No matter what we're like, you know, how we might be uh, uh, harsh and broken and uh, embittered uh, as Mr. V was, you know, but uh, God is always on the move. He never, you know, and those of you listening today uh, know that God loves you and he is constantly pursuing you and wants to make you more and more like Jesus. Amen. And uh, so he can hold you and, and take care of you and watch over you. It, the Father's love is just beyond comprehension. Very, very exciting stuff. Now, Danny, we got another one coming up, right? This is book two called The Traveler. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Jimmy meets a character um, from a different time frame, basically, and it, uh, also a prophet. Um, it's a little bit of a play um, on the whole idea of seeing into the future, but physically being present in the future in order to do it. And so this other character is doing the same thing, and they're able to interact. In The in the Traveler, the story really begins to tie much more into End Day's prophecy. Um, and it's basically based on the rest of the series, really. is based on the story of Elijah and Jezebel, and it's this battle that's going on. It's in a modern context, obviously, but it's, you know... A Jezebel type character who's trying to eliminate faith in America and that kind of thing. It's, it gets pretty heavy, actually, at, at times. Much more into the spirit realm, and you know, some really um, dramatically evil characters in the book and things like that. But all in all, you know, it's all a story about love and redemption. And uh, you know, Jimmy immatures tremendously throughout the course of the series. God is creating sort of this prophet out of this kid and by the time the series ends you know he's he's a couple years older and God is really using him on an international level to do signs and wonders
0: that is so cool so thank you Danny so much for hanging out with us and talking with us today and next time we're going to be talking more about audiobooks with Danny and we're going to be talking about what's the best way to make an audiobook and how should we sell it what channels should it be on should we go wide, which means major distribution through many channels? Or should we stay exclusive to one particular channel? What's the advantages or disadvantages? So, we're going to talk about that a little more, too, if you're interested in finding out more about publishing an audiobook. Some of you have been asking what the next series is going to be. And so, we've just finished the book of Revelation. Now, we're going to start a new series. It's called Living in Babylon, and we're going to be talking about the comparisons between Daniel's life in ancient Babylon and our life now in this society, in this upside-down society that has completely lost its way and turned its back on the wisdom and the knowledge and the truth of the Lord God Almighty. So, till next time, this is Russ Galsler Chronicles of the End Times. God bless. Keep looking up. The King is coming.